Welcome to Just a Spoonful, the podcast that is young and fully sick. Everyone you're listening to speak on this podcast is a young person living with a chronic illness and or disability, just like me, your host, Caitlin Plyley. Hello, it's really good to be back. I missed you. I'm sorry that I was gone for so long. Um, I think I just wanted to drive home the fact that this podcast is made by someone who's living with a chronic illness. So I went away to be chronically ill for a while. Um, yeah, I, yeah, the holiday season wiped me out. Um, just like I warned everyone that it would at the end of the last, last episode, I gave everyone this really great advice to be careful because Christmas and New Year's and the summer holiday season can really take it out of you. And then guess what? It took it out of me. So I'm sorry. I'm really glad to be back. It's 2015. Who let that happen? But we're back and I've got a new episode for you and I'm really excited about our guest today. But before I get to that, I'd really like to hear how you're going. This podcast is an ongoing conversation to find out how young people are living with illness and disability, uh, a lowered ability. I want to find out how you're living and what you're living for because everyone's living for something. What are you living for? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And if you don't get out of bed in the morning, what gets you out of bed in the afternoon? And if you never get out of bed, what keeps you going? Like, what do you look forward to in your day? I know for me, the mornings are a really difficult time, a really heavy time for me. So I often, once I wake up, I lay there for a little while and I think about all the reasons why I should get up today, you know, kind of trying to convince myself to, to shift my legs and get started. And the things that get me moving are usually really mundane things like toast, or I can wear my dinosaur shirt today. You know, it works for me. And I'd really like to hear what works for you. So please drop me a tweet at kplyley on Twitter, K-P-L-Y-L-E-Y. Or you can leave me a message on Tumblr, which I think that's a thing you can do on Tumblr. I'm still very new to Tumblr. Um, but our address is just a justaspoonfulpodcast.tumblr.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're listening through iTunes, it'd be really great if you would leave us a star rating. You know, you could put maybe five stars. It's just a suggestion, you know. Uh, I'm just trying to make it easier for you so you don't have to think of anything. Maybe just put five stars. Uh, or you could write me a review as well. That would be really cool. I'm really grateful to the people who have been leaving ratings and reviews It lets me know how the, how everything is traveling and what you guys think of it. And that's invaluable to me. So I really appreciate it. And let's kick on. Uh, I've got a really great guest for you this episode. He's my first Twitter celebrity that I've had on Just a Spoonful. Some people go on Twitter and they're already famous through other avenues. You know, maybe they're on TV or something. And so they immediately get lots of followers because those people already know who they are. Other people on Twitter show up from kind of nowhere, start from nothing, and build this huge followings, these, these huge, huge followings, purely based on how funny or pithy or interesting their tweets are. And my guest today, Benjamin McClay, is one of those people. He is a Brisbane boy who has over 18,000 followers on Twitter, and you may know him by his Twitter handle, Thomas Violence. He's one of my favorite joke Twitter accounts, even though he's, he's, a, he's a real guy. And as he'll talk about later in the show, he actually kind of opens a vein every time he tweets. Uh, so he's, he's funny, but he's also very much being real. And he talks about how Twitter helps him cope with his rapid cycling bipolar symptoms, which is really interesting and um, explains a lot of his tweets, I guess. We talk about bigots on the internet, 
how to be a not shitty male feminist slash queer ally slash people of color ally. Just just try and trying to be a not awful person. We also talk about TV and movies and things that we love. And we recorded this just before Christmas in 2014. And you can tell because we're kind of dated by some of our hot takes. For example, we talk about the interview being cancelled. Um, North Korea, lol. Ben also tells me about the weird nostalgia that he gets for depression sometimes, but only when he's not depressed, funnily enough. And we talk about the things that we do to pull ourselves out of depressive episodes. Ben is really fun and really funny, and he came on the show even though he was dealing with a pretty bad cold on the day of recording, so that just tells you what kind of guy he is. He's a great guy, and I hope you'll like him too. So let's kick on and hear from Benjamin McClay, also known as the keys player for the Keepaways, also known as the guy from Dog Bow, also known as Thomas Violence on Twitter. Here he is. Now join the choir, join the choir, Their flag is just like aerial text in English mm. that says the happiest place on earth. In all caps. All as caps. Well. Yeah. yeah, they 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 really didn't even they didn't even spring for serifs. No. Really strange. Well, I don't know if serifs would cost you extra. I feel like <laughs> it's fancier to go without serifs. That's true. It's classier. It's more authoritative. If you look at the way design trends are going these days, not a lot of serifs around. No, I like that. I mm. like that. Keep the serifs for like body text. Oh, obviously. That's what I you Ob- obviously. want to be able to scan them. That makes sense. <laughs> I keep thinking, like, looking at, because I, I work for, a, like, a web development place, so I look at a lot of website design stuff, and I can't, just, I find it really hard to imagine that, that it's going to date. Like, I'm looking and it looks so modern and clean, but I know in 10 years' time we're going to look back on it and be like, this is shit, why is it all <laughs> flat colours, why are these fonts all so small? Yeah. Like, I just, I know it's going to happen, but I can't picture it, like... It's weird. Yeah, I guess um, that's um, maybe the human condition. We I can't picture our future. I don't know. But it's the same with clothes and stuff. Like, I'm looking at what I'm wearing now, and I'm like, yeah, you're a good-looking guy. I left the house feeling great. And then <laughs> I'd show photos of my kids. They'd be like, Dad, you look like an idiot. <laughs> I think about that a that. lot, actually, about, um, will I, you know, in 10, 20 years, I'll look back on what I'm wearing now and be like, what are you doing? And that's actually freed me up a lot because I used to worry about that a, a lot, about I would look like that my clothes would date, I would look like an idiot. And now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to go further the other way oh, so nice. that I look back at the photos and I'm like, you go, girl. You rock the spandex skort that you're wearing. Yeah, I'm wearing. I'm actually wearing a skort right yeah, now. <laughs> it's great to see people still wearing those. They are very practical. Yes, it's a skirt and it's shorts. <laughs> if it's you had to go play netball after this, you would be fine. Oh, my God. I would rule at netball right now. But like I, I saw the I saw this skort in um, a shop earlier this year, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm getting a skort!" Like I was listening to a lot of Beyonce, so I think I was listening to Grown Woman, mm. and I was like, "What would Beyonce do? She would buy the fucking skort." That is so true. Yeah. If there's anything I know about Beyonce, it's <laughs> that she would buy skorts given the opportunity. And you know what? She has the opportunity. She's got she's got more money than skorts require. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. She probably has a thousand skorts. <laughs> 
She doesn't seem to be really into wearing pants, though. So, I mean, she's probably got, like, a lot of leotards. All of my images of her are mainly leotards, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. Like, long, like one, one long sleeve and the other side is just sleeveless. That's the only way to wear a leotard. If you're going to wear one, <laughs> one sleeve. See, and, like, she's a tastemaker. She'll look back in five years and be like, can you believe I used to wear that? But, it, but then she'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember how awesome I was also. Also, like, if you are a tastemaker, that's a great story because although you have to deal with the pain of you wearing the ridiculous outfit, you get, like, this amazing sense of schadenfreude where, like, I made a million other people <laughs> wear a terrible outfit. All of those people wore that outfit because of me. I mean, insane feeling of power. <laughs> that's going to be Taylor Swift in, like, three albums' time when she's like, remember how I got you guys to wear high-waisted shorts? <laughs> oh, my God. Remember that? <laughs> She really nailed it with a high-waisted shorts look. I, I like to, I like to say like I, I wear I'm like really into crop tops and high-waisted pants at the moment. It's a great and look. I, I think like and I love Taylor Swift, so a lot of people have assumed that that's why I'm wearing it. And I'm like, no, no, Jennifer Lawrence, circa 2012, is why Ooh. I'm wearing this. Wow, that's a specific inspiration. <laughs> Deep cuts. I actually don't know what she wears outside of ball gowns to go to the Oscars <laughs> or Hunger Games. <laughs> Yeah, now since the last, the latest Hunger Games, Mockingjay, I'm just going to be wearing um, military jumpsuits mm, yeah. all the time. They're in, they're in Ben. She'll make them in. Definitely. She'll make them in. I've not seen the latest one. I only just watched the second one the other day. Oh, what'd you think? It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a fun time watching it. <laughs> I really love. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Stanley Tucci. Yes. It's just like, he's a very serious actor playing such a ridiculous role. And like the fake teeth that he has on are just so perfect. The teeth are mesmerizing. Oh, God. I actually think a lot of his acting is the teeth. And he has to talk around them. So he's always got like his lips are really spaced super far from his teeth. Like, ah, oh, it's beautiful. So true. He's always laughing. He's doing like a, what I think it was a Muppet laugh. Yeah, Muppets essentially. always laugh by throwing their heads back and opening their open their whole mouth. Yeah. 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 And then sort of like waving their arms around. Which I guess he doesn't do that part. No, but, but it's fun to picture. <laughs> it really is. He's so wonderful. He brings such a a menace to that role. Yeah. He's not just a like fluffy TV host. He's this kind of mouthpiece for the um, oppressive regime. Do they expand on that character at all? Spoiler no. alert. So it's but never like they never give him, they never flesh him out as a person? No, <laughs> but wouldn't that be a great spin-off? I don't know what his thing is. Does he support the regime? Does he... Is he just a face man? Are there no yeah. thoughts going on in there? Or does he, like... I want to know about announcer guy. Big teeth <laughs> announcer man. Uh, Caesar... Ooh. Flickerman? Wait, no. <laughs> I hope his last name is man. That would be perfect. <laughs> well, ends in man. Um, I can't remember what his name is, mm-hmm. but... Stanley Tucci. Yep. Um, yeah, that would be a great spin-off, maybe. That would be good. Um, if Suzanne Collins is going to write more books in that that universe. Oh yeah. Just all about Stanley Tucci. That would but be amazing. But not his character, Stanley. Tucci. No, about Stanley Tucci in that universe. And one day, Stanley Tucci woke up and he was in Hunger Games land. <laughs> what would the actor do? What would um, he do? Do you reckon? Um. Well, I mean, he knows how to kill people because he's played a lot of killers. That does logically follow. Right? Yep, that makes sense. Yep, that's how it works. You act like something and then you know how to do it. Um, I know how Hollywood works. Mm. So he would he would probably be good at killing 13-year-old girls. What if you were like a method actor and you had to be a murderer? Do, do um, you just spend a couple of weeks murdering people? Like the De Niro being a cab driver for three months and... <laughs> uh, what's his name? Oh, I, um, Lincoln guy? 
Lincoln guy. Yeah. That guy. He was a butcher for like a couple of months before. Uh, oh my god. Um, I really, I really hope the movie turns out to be called The Butcher. The Butcher. Yeah. No. He well, he played a character called The Butcher. Oh, okay. Uh, that sounds more like a, a Gangs of New York. Oh, Gangs of New York. Yeah. Wait. So I mean, maybe he was murdering people, and we just didn't hear about it. That's true. You probably would keep that under wraps. It'd be difficult to further your acting career if you'd done a month's worth of murders leading up to the film, and you publicly spoke about them. Yeah, but he's a rich white man, so he'd be fine. That's true. Or political. Well, rich, white, and famous. Yeah. People will be like, well, I mean, it was oh, for a, a movie. Oh, he's a scamp. He's a lovable scamp. How do you feel about the interview being pulled? Oh, um, it looks like it's a shit movie Oh, to start with. That's a hot take. Yeah. Oh, is it? I, really? Well, no, I have no opinions on the movie. Uh, just it's just, it looks terrible. I'm personally a bit tired of these kind of... Um, Dude bros who yeah. really should know better by now, stumbling through situations. Ha they, ha ha. They all have the same plot. It's like two guys who don't really like each other but have known each other forever lose the meaning of friendship and then they gain the meaning of friendship and then over the course of the film they talk really elaborately about dicks. Yes. So, like, the whole crux of the movie is you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they went into so much detail about dicks but also feelings. <laughs> like, the, that's it. That's the joke of the movie is you're meant to be surprised that men can talk about their emotions and also be disgusting. I'm always surprised. Oh, well, yeah, obviously no, it's know. surprising. It's very surprising. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm just tired of... Uh, and I, I'm not like anti Seth Rogen or anything, but there's a sort of <laughs> Seth Roganishness to that genre. Yeah, mainly that he's in all of those he's movies. He's in all of them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's somehow involved in all of them. Um, but I, I, what do you think? It's it's censorship of free speech to pull the interview because of cyber threat, or I've. What's your hot take? Uh, my hot take is I've just been ruined by the internet with the concept of censorship before. Like, five years ago, I would have been like, no, you can't censor anything, free speech all the time. But now whenever people complain about censorship, it's largely bigots. Yes. Being like, I can't believe you want to censor me massively oppressing someone. This is ridiculous. So now people complain about censorship on the internet. I'm like, I don't care. I, I do not care. I, but yeah. what if... We did get nuked because we played... Well, not we. What if America got nuked because they played that movie? What if that was a reality we lived in where they had to explain why half the population of America was gone and they were like, oh, Sony released a movie with the two dick joke guys and that's why the biggest nuclear disaster of all time has happened. Like, can you imagine if we lived in that reality? And parents would sit their children down and say, there used to be a man called James Franco... And and then they read his poetry to them. <laughs> As a warning. <laughs> and, and that's that's American history class. Yep. And that's all they'll remember because after the fallout, all of our knowledge will have been erased. <laughs> it's just, it, it's bizarre. Like, I don't want to take a risk that that's what happens because of a, sh- a shitty comedy movie. Like, well, well, clearly, um, the distributors didn't want to take that risk either. Well, yeah, and I agree with them. They obviously looked at the interview and went, not worth it. Mm, nope. But I, someone tweeted, and I, I hope it wasn't you, and that I have, uh, and I'm not just quoting you at you. But um, somebody tweeted, um, "Has Kim Jong Un not heard of Team America?" Like, yeah, that's like a good why, point. Why didn't I mean? Or who is it now? Is it Kim Jong Il or uh, Un? Kim Jong Un? Un, I believe, is the one we have now. Il was. Il was the Team America. Yeah, he was the Team dictator. America one. Yeah. Um, but maybe Kim Jong Un is more sensitive and more cyber savvy. That is true. Apparently, Kim Jong-il was a really big film buff. This is... Yeah. Always intrigued me. I think they had a bit about that in 30 Rock. 
Yeah. They were joking that he was making a film with Tracy Morgan. Oh, nice. Um, that was... It, it was... It, it was interesting. <laughs> I watched some of 30 Rock, but uh, the score really annoyed the shit out of me. Really? I couldn't handle it. It was too jaunty. All the time, I'm just like, oh, enough with the piano themes. Leave me alone. So jaunty. I was actually watching it last night and, and talking about how I like the score. I'm not a fan. It's it was jarring when I first started watching the show because it just doesn't fit with the tone of no, the show. No, that's what I thought. I was just like, stop trying to change the mood of what is actually the thing. I don't know. I think maybe because it's set in Thirty Rock, they were trying to sort of get that like old world um, entertainment thing. You know, it's that, that makes it's sense. That kind of I don't know old Hollywood music. I don't know. Yeah. Don't Someone really was telling me the composer is Tina Fey's husband. That one, yeah. yeah. Nepotism. Shameless yeah. nepotism. Now we know why. Yep. Should have got <laughs> someone dark and brooding. Would have changed the whole show permanently. <laughs> that would have been really interesting. Mm. But they've come up with some good songs. Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, a classic. Not familiar. Oh, come on, Ben. you gotta, you got to get... You gotta get into Thirty Rock. I tried. I really did. I gave it quite a lot of time, but I can only watch two vi- two TV shows at a time, so I super prioritize the ones that I am watching. And my back catalog, like the queue I have to get through, is just—it's insane. Oh man, uh, what two are you watching at the moment? Uh, Mad Men and Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. Uh, I <laughs> started watching Mad Men a couple of months ago because I'm an idiot and I didn't listen to anyone while it was actually happening. <laughs> I was I just like, either. oh, it doesn't sound that good, and then started watching it, and it's amazing. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten into it yet, and I have a feeling that I'm gonna feel like a fool one day when I finally watch it. You will feel like a fool. It's incredible. <laughs> Every episode, I'm just like, this is amazing. But it's just, I, and I know, like, I, I've heard that like there are really good roles for women on there. But I, again, it was like a thing where I was like, oh, a show about dudes. Yeah, more in men suits. being manly, walking around making man decisions. Yeah. It's actually really good. It's uh, like, obviously, because it's a period movie, all the roles given to women are, you know, traditionally like secretaries and stuff. But yeah. it's really, really like subversive. Like, all of the characters are very clearly sort of struggling with the fact that they've been given this shitty lot in life because they are women. And yeah. it's. it's They're not just like, oh, I love. I love these really binding dresses. Yeah. Hooray. No, it's good. It's really good. It's actually got a pretty good feminist agenda, which is weird for one of those movies. Yeah, that's cool, though. I I have heard that, but I just haven't taken the time to get into it. Um, I was talking to a friend the other night who was saying that she watches about 12 TV shows at a time. Oh. Like, on a a sort of rotating roster, I guess. Not simultaneously on 12 screens. Wow. Like the Matrix. Oh, the I was thinking uh, Ozymandias from Watchmen when he's watching oh. on the TV at the same time. But I think like the fact <coughs> that I don't know that reference that we went completely different references like says a lot about our personalities. That's true. I've never seen the Matrix. Well, see, we're just from different worlds. That's so true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I want to actually get on to like asking you about who you are. Um. So you go on Twitter, you go by Thomas Violence. Yes. But your name is Ben McClay. That is correct. Am I saying it right? You are, yeah. Yes. A lot of people try and insert phantom letters to <laughs> try and explain why the E and the A are there. So they'll put like an R between, they'll go McCleary or McLean oh. or McClear. Or they, they do a lot of things. People look at my last name and... Just give up. They're like, this shouldn't be. This is not right. 
Okay, and they just invent a new word. That actually happened. I got introduced <laughs> at something once. I was about to walk on stage and I got like, uh, next we have Caitlin. Here she is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty close approximation, though. They weren't far off the mark. I get Caitlin Palalalala. Oh, that's a good. <laughs> that's really great. That's I, I really think I, I think I really want that to be my actual name. <laughs> it just got such a lovely cadence to it. Palalalala. It's beautiful. You can sing it. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Why did you pick the name Thomas Violence? Uh, so when I started on Twitter, I, I had something really ridiculous as uh, my at and name. Something like Professor Wisdom, and it was all <laughs> spelt wrong. And the joke was that I was an idiot. Uh, and then <laughs> I great. was like. Eventually, I was like, oh, having a gimmicky account is actually really dumb. <laughs> so I needed something to change it to. And then someone had described a short story I'd just written as subtly violent. So I was like, cool, subtle violence. That's a cool combination of words. And so I had that as much of a name for ages. And then after like a year of that, I was like, this just sounds like a shit metal band name. I'm so <laughs> sick of looking at it. Uh, so I took a combination of the previous name. Subtle Violence, my middle name, which is Thomas, and my favorite song, Youth Song, which is called Tom Violence. Oh. And then I smushed them together into one thing that kind of looks like it could be a real person's name, maybe. Yeah. I like having that sort of, is that his actual or is that... Well, that's it, because I, I kind of assumed your actual name was Thomas, and mm. Violence was just your Twitter last name. As those are legally recognized in most countries. They sure are. That's why I now have written on all my bills, O Plyley Knight. Yeah, that's because a really good one. You have a great Christmas name, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. I, I crowdsourced my Christmas name. Oh, <laughs> not going to lie. Terrible. I take back that compliment immediately. <laughs> I couldn't. I, again, it, I was like, I don't know what to do with this name. It is tough. Uh, but the good thing was when I was in primary school, none of the kids could think of like a stupid name to call me. That's true. It's um, difficult to turn into an insult. No, yeah, they tried in high school as well. In primary school, the kids tried calling me Caitlin Baitlin, and then they would sometimes drop a some sort of like jeering hint, like "Where's the fish?" That's a good one. Where's the good fish, job, Baitlin? Kids. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, this is just embarrassing for you." <laughs> and then in high school, I used to get called plywood sometimes or pliers, which still happens sometimes. People at pubs at parties will be like, "Ah, pliers." That's, that's and again, a pretty good it's, one. It's not. Like, insulting. It's not insulting. It's not actually anything. So yeah. I don't mind it. No, that's, um, that's acceptable. I got McGay a lot <laughs> because obviously, yeah, right? It's actually too easy. I was a very <laughs> effeminate child. I'm, I just want to be clear. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the kids who said that yeah, because that's those kids. so ridiculous. No, it was honestly too convenient. Like it, it matched me as an insult. I was pretty <laughs> effeminate. It rhymed. It was perfect. You barely had to change the name. I was very impressed with how easy that was for them. Wow. Kids are great, aren't they? Ah, amazing. They're amazing. Well, it says on your Twitter that you are bisexual. Yes. So you've got that in your bio. Yes. So how important is that to you as part of your identity? Uh, Mainly it's in my bio because I really like the cadence of having bisexual, bipolar, bipartisan. Yeah. It just sounds nice. I guess it's pretty important to my identity. Uh,. Largely because I would like to separate myself from straight men of the internet. Oh. That's just a large group of people I would not like to be associated with. <laughs> so it's nice to have one thing to be like, no, no, I'm not 100% the bad guy. I'm like 50% the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I, I, 
I'm only 50% awful. Yeah, still obviously awful, but <laughs> less less awful, quantifiably less awful. <laughs> oh yeah, I li- I do I do like your buy with the you've got a beautiful I guess symmetry going on there, which is nice. If I buy a bicycle, I'm going to add that in there as well. Go yes. bisexual, bipolar, bipartisan bicyclist, but currently <laughs> I don't have one and I feel like lying would be rude. Yeah, no, because people are going to start asking you about your bike. <laughs> Where's the bike, man? Where's the where bike? Where is your bike? <laughs> Show us your goddamn bike. You'll be walking down the street and her, Oi, Thomas, where's the bike? Then I'll have to run Oi, McGay. No. I'll have to delete my Twitter account. It'll be a whole thing. Yeah. Can't put lies in your bio. Although the bipartisan thing is a little... I mean, if anything, my opinions swerve to the left, like, 98% of the time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you're on the fence about being bipartisan, and I was like, well, (laughs) 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 no, you are quite, I'm not, I'm still not 100% sure what left and right actually mean in the political sphere, because I've had people call me left, um, but I've also had people call me a libertarian, um, Mm. depending on what opinion I was expressing at the given time. Yep. So I'm like, I guess I'm just whatever. You're just you. But like the thing is, if I if I start saying I'm I'm a leftist, then I don't actually know what I'm associating myself. That's with. That's true. You don't want to do that. That's essentially why I've done what I've done. Like being bipartisan means I'm not with either of those people. <laughs> I have my own opinions. You can ask me about them. Yeah, I'm just a person, <laughs> everybody. Ah, oh, yeah. sorry, you're feeling a bit sick today, aren't I you? I am. I apologize for the coughs. No, I have one of those things. One of those things, yes. Where uh, you thanks cough. for coming in, even though you, yeah. That's that's quite like. okay. <laughs> um, you've got like an insane number of followers on Twitter. Yes, it is insane, and I don't know how that happened. And I'm, I'm, I, I recognize that I'm about to ask this question. It'll sound like I'm trying to figure out your secret, but I'm just curious. How did you get that many followers? Like, uh, what was the trajectory? Uh, well, the initial trajectory was, uh, I was on Twitter because a friend of mine had shown me the Twitter user at sign fart. Is John Henron, the comedian. Oh, oh, way over my head. He's basically exclusively a Twitter comedian guy, and he's very funny, has a very weird sense of humor. And there was this whole loose grouping of weird Twitter accounts around him, and I like, started reading his stuff, and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'll do weird jokes. That'll be great. <laughs> so I was like tweeting at no one for ages, <laughs> like just being like, huh, imagine if something random happened. <laughs> And then I had a very bad long-term bout of depression where I was very, very drunk all the time. And so instead of talking to people, I just get on Twitter and be like, do kind of a joke, but kind of a really sad thing, which is apparently the most relatable thing on the internet. And then it just kind of went crazy. Going from like zero to 5,000 took a really short amount of time. And then really everything else has just been kind of like a gradual build. I've got some friends who want to know how to get more followers on Twitter. Um, and I, I, I feel like, I, I hate to say it, and but I feel like the only thing I can tell them is you need to like open a vein. That's what people really want, is yep. you kind of really have to get personal and vulnerable. That's what people want. They want to see something where, like, I don't know, you want to see something of yourself in it, but also laugh, I guess. Yeah. You know. How would you describe the Twitter tone? I'm always trying to pin it down. It's like everything has to be... Um, able to be read on a few different levels and maybe a little bit distant but also authentic it's very confusing I think I would describe the ideal sort of thing I want to project personally is a combination of optimism and just a fundamental realisation that most things are shit Mm. so sort of ah fuck I hate everything have a great day everybody (laughs) that is essentially the combination that I want to go for 
Like you're seeing the worst, but hoping for the best. Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. And then also put in weird stuff about dads and skateboards. People <laughs> love those two things. I did I did read one of your skateboard tweets right before we started recording yeah, this. Tweeted it was that good. one on the drain. I Thank favorited you. it. I saw that. I was like, oh, no, she knows I'm tweeting. I'm hurrying. I'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I actually did check your Twitter, and I was I I was I wasn't checking to see if you're on oh, time. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I was just like, what if I just thought I always check people's Twitters before I interview them, just in case they say something like, "Granddad just died," you know. Mm, and, that's true. And I just yeah, I just want to know that. Um, no, none of my grandparents have passed away recently, so not recently. No, not today. Okay, definitely. All right. Well, yeah. touch touch wood. Yeah, I touched my arm, which is um, constructed entirely of wood, so that makes sure sense. Is. Well, my nickname in high school was actually Twiggy. So Twiggy. Hmm. Did that go from plywood to Twiggy, or uh, just because you are tall and skinny? Just tall and skinny. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't know, and I don't think the kid who came up with it knew either that it was that Twiggy was a famous model in the eighties. I think seventies, eighties. Uh, I think of new metal guitarist Twiggy Ramirez. Oh, we're see, all different. I'm from Perth, so my mind always went to Andrew Twiggy Forrest. I don't know who that is. Mining, don't. He no, runs the I'm country. Curious now. Don't worry. I <laughs> that's all I know is like he he's a, he's big in mining and probably owns half of Australia. Oh, okay, cool. I should probably learn who he is at some stage. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um your granddad hasn't died recently. That's good. Nope. What were you talking about? Yeah, no, I was on your Twitter and then I saw the, you know this skateboard tweet and I was like if I favorite this, will he think that this is some kind of like nudge? Oi. Some sort of micromanagement? No, yeah, it's all yeah. right. I, I assume the best of intentions. I actually assumed you'd be sitting around waiting somewhere. So I was like, I would be looking at my Twitter if I was waiting somewhere. I'm always looking at my Twitter. I'm I love Twitter. I'm constantly looking at my Twitter. Oh, man. I actually, when people ask, and not, not that I'm like so good at Twitter or anything, but um, I know a lot of people who are very good at Twitter. And uh, friends ask, you know, how do you get good at Twitter? I'm like, you have to be on it all the time. Mm. Really? Constantly. How do you manage it? Because you tweet a lot. I do. Uh... I work at a desk job, so I have Twitter open all the time. (laughs) And also, I'm very, very sensitive to caffeine. (laughs) So essentially, (laughs) I get into work, I have one, like, jumbo coffee, and then I spend the first four hours of the day just being like, and what about this? Ha-ha, but what about this? Ha-ha-ha. And then being like, shit, I've done no work. But favorites going through the roof. Yeah. Oh, man. Don't you love it when you start getting those, like, the retweets start going? Oh, it's a great feeling. And it always sort of, like... It's like a feedback loop. I'll have one in the morning do really well, and then I'll be like, I'm actually the funniest person alive. I should keep talking. And it's then, so true. But if I if I, I did a couple of tweets a couple of weeks ago, and they got zero oh, I still get those sometimes, and oh. it's heartbreaking. I've heard some people say that they delete tweets that don't get any favorites. Oh, I used to do that, and now yeah. I'm just like, no, nah, fuck it. These are my precious words. I will not delete them. I like going back through them sometimes to the archives uh, to remember who I was back oh, then. I do know? that so often. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. It's like, really fun. It is. It's scary sometimes. There's a lot of stuff that I just don't remember at all where I was just like, holy shit, man, I don't. I did that? Oh, my God. <laughs> so a lot of that happens. I, I was pleasantly surprised because I recently went back and read my first tweets from when I joined Twitter, and I assumed, I, I remembered it as, like, I only ever wrote like promotional stuff because I I was doing a a promotional job and that's why I had to get Twitter. Uh, that makes sense. And I thought, oh, I was just probably tweeting like media release kind of stuff. And then I went back and I actually was writing some jokes in there and they were pretty solid. Did like, you have like that temptation to link to every single tweet? 
I linked you've done. quite a few. Yeah. I think I spent a good Saturday morning just linking to my old tweets, like, here you go, everybody. I do that every time. I'm like, oh, all right, just no, don't go overboard. Just pick one if it's really good. And then I spend the next two hours being like, I was the funniest person ever in 2012. Everybody check these out. <laughs> yes, that's what I was like. <laughs> I was like, remember 2012 and all those hot takes I had? Oh, yeah, it was great. The hottest of takes. <laughs> Is that quite a recent thing? Hot I take? think so. I don't know. I'm, I just sort of see things as they filter through Twitter. Yeah. That's how I experience pop culture. Same. It's like hard. It's hard to know where it's, it's hard to know where anything came from anymore. Yeah. Because you know you'll think, oh, this is a new thing. Well, I okay. I shouldn't say you. I should say me. I usually am way behind trends, and so I'll be. I'll, I, I was making Charlie Sheen jokes like a year after. Mm. Oh no, no, not Charlie Sheen. Um, <coughs> no, Chuck Norris. I, oh. I only started with Chuck Norris jokes after it was like way too late. Yeah, a lot of people are still going with that though. They sure are. There's a cafe near my house that I love very dearly but they have their tip jars are like one of those ones where it's like vote with your money and one of them's Chuck Norris and the other is like I don't know someone else <laughs> and every time I see them it's like no we're done with that that like faux manliness humour thing we're, we're over it you can stop now no one cares <laughs> it's really true I don't think anyone does but also it's a really nice cafe so I can't hold it against them no I'm sure their coffee is wonderful coffee's not bad it's okay yeah, yeah. It's, it's serviceable so you mentioned that you're very sensitive to caffeine. Um, yes. And you have bipolar. Yes. Is it type 1 or type 2? Uh, it is ultra rapid cycling type 1. No kidding. I am not. Wow. What's every day like with rapid cycling? Uh, pretty hectic, yeah. largely. Because um, how does caffeine interact It's not with good. That? I shouldn't good? be, like, I'm not supposed to have anything that makes me go up or down ever but i really like beer and i also really love coffee <laughs> so my life is very exciting yeah. it's it's interesting um uh, it, depending on where i am in my life it can either be relatively easy to deal with or kind of shit to deal with at the moment i've been doing pretty good so generally i can tell if i'm having like a short manic or depressive episode is coming up i'll be like okay i have to remove myself from the situation <laughs> have to like go for a walk or something or go lie down or like I know I can I can feel these things coming on and I can deal with them oh, largely good. yeah yeah do you think um so like if you had a long sorry I get my words together uh I'm having I'm having a slow brain day sorry it's, it's okay it's the holidays <laughs> it really is it's so hot um do you think that it's in a way easier to manage like rapid cycling throughout the day as opposed to having maybe weeks of a manic period and then weeks of a depressive period? Uh, it's much easier to deal with uh, in terms of going about my life, yeah. certainly. Like uh, when I first got diagnosed, I was having manic episodes that lasted for like two or three weeks Yikes. and I was going to university at the time and it was just... Because I had no idea what was going on. I never had a diagnosis or anything and it was just surreal. Like it felt like... I'd be like, all right, okay, I'm a little behind on my grades and I'm kind of running out of money at the moment. That's okay, I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden something would trigger a manic episode and I would spend all my money and I wouldn't go to any of my courses. And then three weeks later, just wake up and be like, oh, shit, it's happened again. Oh, fuck. Whereas now, if I have like a short manic episode, I'm like, wow, I talked way too loud at that party. Also, I got very handsy with some of my friends, but it's okay, they're used to that. I uh, probably shouldn't have told them that story that was very personal oh well that's life so like the the larger ones tend to have like 
bigger effects on what's happening in your life but also they're kind of easy to deal with because you know that's how you're feeling like you've got a bit of notice yeah yeah so if you do you mostly have like do you mostly retroactively notice that you were having a manic episode uh yeah with manic episodes uh depressive episodes i'm generally just like uh i kind of really want to jump through that window right now so that probably means something weird is happening in my brain but manic episodes i'm just like it's great that I'm so confident and sexy. Oh, I feel fantastic. I don't have any problems in the world. Like, it just doesn't... God, I'm getting so much done. Yeah, like, like that. happiness doesn't, like... And that... Well, if they're, like, a happy manic episode, it's kind of hard to notice because you don't never really register it as a problem. No one's just, like, sitting there like, wow, I'm just too happy. This is awful. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, I feel happy. This must be a response to the stimulus in my environment, not my brain releasing a whole bunch of crazy chemicals. That's so tricky, and I think in our culture, particularly, we're taught to value happiness as like the greatest good, hmm. um, and there's almost a moral value in being happy. Yeah, but I think being sad, feeling down, feeling angry, all the other emotions are important as well. But uh, they all but equally valid things. Yeah, absolutely. But they get a bit demonized. Hmm. So is that a bit? Does that maybe change the way you look at your? not change because it's the culture we live in does that affect the way you look at your manic episodes versus depressive do you feel a bit worse about your i mean you feel bad anyway when you're depressive but do you feel a bit worse about having those would you just get rid of them and keep the manic uh yeah definitely if i had the choice although when i'm not inside the depressive episodes i still have like a weird sense of nostalgia for like really intense depressive episodes because i don't know what it is just some part of my brain romanticizes those times like, the times I've had proper long-term depressive episodes, I've usually been unemployed because it's difficult to keep a job in those situations. And wine is very cheap. So I've largely just been very drunk, been doing a lot of writing, listening to a lot of sad music, laying around on couches. And then I look back on it and I'm like, wow, that sounds like such a great time. But obviously not. Like, yeah. when I'm experiencing it, it's, it's largely shit. But, yeah, it's weird. Part of my brain is like, well, they, they're good in a sense. Yeah, that's a problem, isn't it? Because um, when you're in the depressive episodes, I've dealt with depression as well, and I, I obviously can't say if it's the same experience that you've had, but it really feels like you you can't get perspective. No. And it's it's weird because you can only observe it once you're out of that period, and that's what's really scary about it. Um, and I don't know what happens. Obviously, I'm not a I'm not a brain scientist or anything, <laughs> but um, I'm just an idiot with a couple <laughs> microphones, but good podcast name <laughs> yeah that would be good damn it um yeah it's a bit it would be nice if you could enjoy it while you're depressed yeah if you knew what was happening and you could be like well i'm gonna really enjoy wallowing and that's never what happens like no. whenever i'm in those larger periods it's not like oh i'm depressed this is a thing that will go away it's oh the world is terrible i am literally incapable of envisioning a future that's not this. Yeah. That's always something that really strikes me is that just distinctly remembering from every episode just being like, well, it's not going to get any better. Why am I still doing this? What's the point? And then later on being like, those happen all the time. How did I not know that that was going to get better? Yeah. I I started kind of um, writing almost letters to myself for when, like, yesterday I had one of those down periods. Mm. Just It was very brief, just the morning, thank goodness. But 
I found a letter that I got, I, I keep, you know, in my room and I went and read it and it was like to remind myself that, yeah, you go through this and then you feel better, like usually almost in, like the same day. Oh man, that's um, really nice. That's a good idea. It, it helps so much because it's me talking to me. Mm. Um, so I tend to listen to myself, hopefully. Uh, it feels it feels like it's, it's better than like going online and reading someone telling you it's all going to be great. Yeah, yeah. I'm always just like, like fuck you, know? you, you don't know shit. Yeah, yeah. You're as messed up as I am. Um, but when you read your own words, <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, and I go back and read my diary. So like, I tend to um, journal a lot when I'm really sad. Yeah. And uh, it actually helps because I go back and I'm like, oh, I was worrying about the same stuff and then remember how everything got better? Yeah. Um, so it'll get better again, which doesn't solve things, but at least helps me kind of wait it out a bit. Yeah, yeah no, that definitely helps. But um, that only works when it's a very shallow sad period. I think if it got really bad, that would maybe be a Band-Aid solution. Yeah, uh, every time I'm always just like, well, I mean, it was true the other times. <laughs> yes. It's not true this time. And it's like every, every, time time. You, every time you have a panic attack, you're like, well, maybe this one is a heart attack. Yep, yeah, same deal. <laughs> this will be the time I die. <laughs> this is it. This is how it happens while I'm sitting at my office at <laughs> 10 in the morning because I've had two coffees instead of one. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, what actually, you say you're a web developer. Yes. So you go to an office and you develop the web? I develop the web, yep. the entire web. Uh, I work <laughs> <Amazing>. for <coughs> a gambling company, okay. uh, like one of Australia's major gambling companies, and I'm making their website, well, I'm working with a whole bunch of people to uh, make their new, like, wagering website. Uh, it's boring. It's very boring, but... It pays pretty well, and I don't have to lift things, which is good because I have tiny, wiry pipe clean arms. <laughs> I do too. I look like one of those inflatable men from the car washes. And you dance like one too. I, yeah, I was just doing a little dance for you there. It's pretty good. Just like just like that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but your tweets are amazing. So it's very nice of you to say. <laughs> C- clearly, the uh, you know you've got some kind of. Um, thing going on where you've got like a boring day job but but that leaves your mind free to to roam it's kind of good actually like the i think it's having that shit job means that it's providing constant slightly different stimulus so if i was sitting in my room doing absolutely nothing for 40 hours a week i would have nothing to write about ever but now i'm just like oh someone mentioned this news story i read this news story i got on this wikipedia article (laughs) this is a dumb concept and then i just end up doing that for like you know, eight hours a day. <laughs> That's great. What? Where do you put your writing? What do you do with your writing? Uh, mostly there's like a few things up on a few blogs scattered all over the place. Mostly I just like write two pages of something and then never look at it again. I'm just I have a very short attention span. I get very impulsive about like. I really want to write things where it's just I just wanted to use one sentence or there was one concept that I wanted and I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered writing a whole story for this. Yeah. So I'll do the one thing and then I'll just stop. Yeah, I've always been a bit like that um, where I'm like, oh, I'd have to put in so much grunt work to actually make this thing work. Yep. Uh, or yeah. go on Twitter. Basically, that's it. Twitter is fantastic if you've got a short attention span. It's amazing. 140 characters and you're done. It's perfect. Boom. I'm getting really good at doing exactly 140 nearly every time. Me too. It's, it's getting weird. Yeah, no, every time you finish on exactly a zero, you're just like, bam. <laughs> I am king. I'm king of this medium. I have a sim- similar thing 
which is one of those things where I'm like, that's impressive and also worrying, where I have almost a sixth sense for knowing when the TV commercials have ended and my show is back on. Because oh. I mute the TV commercials, but I always walk back in with my cup of tea right when MASH starts. Specifically MASH? I love MASH. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Hawkeye, the whole gang. That is a superpower. It's That's pretty good. It, it's one of those things that I'm like, wow, I'm really accomplished at this specific thing, which shows that I spend most of my life watching TV. Uh. Uh, I got really freakishly good at, you know, when you get like cut fruit and vegetables at Woolies, how they have a little barcode sticker on them? Yeah. Uh, so I used to work at Woolies before I was a programmer, and I got really, really good at just blindly pulling an amount off the roll of stickers tearing it off and having it be exactly the amount I needed. Wow. That was quite good, but it's a completely non-transferable skill. Like, <laughs> no one in my life is going to be like, quick, could you pull off exactly 28 stickers that are five centimeters long off that roll that's conveniently the same diameter as the Woolworths one? That, it just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's kind of disappointing. Uh, but you really excelled in that one area. I did. Oh, man, I get angry about this all the time because I worked at Woolies for like three, three and a half years or something exclusively in the fruit and veg department so I'm really really good at cutting up rock melon and watermelon and stuff with a machete I'm insanely good at it but amazing. I have no opportunities in my life mainly because the way I'm used to doing it you have to be wearing like a big expensive mesh glove <laughs> uh, which I obviously don't own I also don't own a machete I also don't need to do 300 kilos of watermelon in 20 minutes <laughs> so just like all of that time trading to be the perfect watermelon killer, and now nothing. Mate, there is a country town festival out there somewhere waiting uh, for you. I know which one that is, actually. That's, really? Uh, Chinchillas has the watermelon festival once every two years. What? Get on that. You'll uh, be their king. Tempting. <laughs> I'm not sure if they want them cut up, though. They end up just rolling them all down a big hill. Oh. Yeah. Where's this? I want to go. It's in, like, it's near Roma. Uh, out in the country yeah all of those little country towns have their weird little specific thing there's a town called Gamari which has a pumpkin festival near there similar concept just different do they produce item also roll them down yep there is a similar rolling festival yeah I'll be honest if I had a bunch of round fruit or vegetable that's what I would do you would roll them down a hill I would roll them down a hill probably eat them depending on what they were I mean I'd roll them and then eat them alright obviously maybe eat some and then watch (laughs) them roll that would probably be better. Slices. You can't guarantee that they're going to survive the hill roll. No, but there would be so many. That's that true. I, I would need to roll some. Something about a hill, I think I'm still a child inside because I see a hill and I'm just like, what could I roll down it? Could I, could I roll down it? I think the ultimate thing to roll down a hill is yourself. It, it's amazing. I still get really excited just seeing hills. Yeah. Like ones where I see them and it's kind of like low grass and there's not a lot of scrub. I'm just like, I could walk all over that. <laughs> But it's like, it's such a strange urge. It's like nothing that, uh, I don't know, it's weird. The idea that I could walk all over it is not something I could fulfill because I don't have anything to do up there or over there. I just, it looks like a walkable hill. That's a really bad thing about being an adult is not being able to do any non-productive walking, if that makes sense. That's true. Like yeah. you can't just walk somewhere just to walk there. You have to look like you've got a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Like, and also, you can't you can't do any like non-purposeful running. That's true. You look like a dick. You look like such an idiot. Like, I had this wonderful <laughs> experience um, when I was in Dublin a few years ago with a couple of mates, and we'd been wandering around the city, and then we suddenly realized that our coach, uh, our bus, was about to leave, 
And so we had to run across Dublin and it's we just were basically running downhill towards the bus station. And it was just so like we were just like running like idiots and kind of screaming a little because it, we were just it was like that so it was so steep that you know that like you can't stop so you're just going to have to keep running. Whatever happens, yeah, you've oh. got to keep going. And uh you know, we were like yelling to each other, "Come on!" and "Have you got the bags?" and it was just I but I felt like free for a minute. It was really nice. Something had finally given you an excuse to do what you want. Which is just run. run. I have a terrible secret that I, when I am walking home drunk from anywhere at nighttime, if I don't think anyone's going to see me, I will run. I'll be like wearing full clothes of an (laughs) adult. I'll be drunk at like two in the morning and I'll be like, because inevitably my phone has died by that time. So I'm not listening to music. And the idea of just walking slowly to go somewhere (laughs) without anything to listen to or do drives me insane. So I'm like, well, I want to be over there. Running would be quicker. There is not a single goddamn reason I shouldn't be running right now. And I'll run until it looks like someone might see me, and then I'll walk for a bit. Then. <laughs> I, this is an exclusive. No one has ever... I've never told anyone this before. Boom. We're kind of exclusive on the podcast. That's awesome. Drunk running is a big part of my life. <laughs> now when I'm reading your tweets, like especially the ones at night, I'll, I'll just imagine that you might be running. Yeah, there is a chance that I'm like, oh, shit, I just really want to get home. And it's always... Oh, actually, there's one stretch. It's like the last 100 meters to my house always run it i go around the corner from the thai restaurant and i'm like i just really want to be at home right now run just <laughs> run straight there it's beautiful i i have my house is on a hill and the bus stops at the bottom of the hill so frequently i'm like i think my neighbors are probably think i don't know what they think about me because they're constantly seeing me just run down the hill with like my satchel bag and sort of like putting earrings in as I'm running <laughs> and I'm always kind of like making a noise because I'm a vocal person and also I can't seem to run without making some kind of oh, noise. Oh, that's interesting. So I'm usually pretty stressed too because I'm like, the bus is going to leave. So I'm always kind of going, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and one time one of my neighbors was mowing his front lawn and I didn't know him. He just moved in. But I always kind of, we had kind of done a couple nods mm. that day as like as we passed each other. Um, and I was running <laughs> across his lawn to get to the bus and I was going oh hi and then I just kept running I was like oh and I suddenly realized that like I was in my moment where everything was high high octane and I I was in a rush and like I was running so the wind was in my ears but I realized that to him he was just standing in his front lawn on a warm calm day watching someone just run by going hi I have to constantly remind myself that people aren't on the same wavelength all of the time. Like when I send people emails when I'm really rushed about something or I'm really stressed, so I reply to them and it's always like really terse or whatever. I'm like, we've all got shit to do. And then I'm thinking like, (laughs) they're probably reading this like... We're all busy, Pamela. We're all got stuff. But they're probably just like, man, this guy's an asshole. Why does he like, you can at least say hello in his emails or something. I always forget that a very limited perspective sometimes. I have to go back and like um, after I've written the email out, the draft, I have to go back and insert like the niceties at the beginning. <laughs> Hello, sometimes. hope Hello. you are well. Thank you for what you said. I hope you are well too, because I'll just be like, ah, <laughs> information. Send me the thing. Information <laughs> query. Information. <laughs> well, you're a developer, so I mean, this is like your language, right? That's true. Just That's how we talk to each other. Zero zero one one. Yep. Zero. It's the yep. fastest way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it would be the slowest. Yeah. That How many ones and zeros would you have to say before you well, got an idea, a concept out To there? get like a whole sentence out. Uh, so saying that a sentence is about 140 characters. Uh, each character 
represented by a number that you then convert to eight digits of binary. So that's like 140 by 8, which is 80, 8 by 4, whatever that is. I hope you're not expecting me to do math. Be like, be a lot. It'll be heaps. It's a a lot. It's more than just saying, hi, this is a tweet. Yes. (laughs) It's a lot of talking for one letter. Yeah, it would not work (laughs) out well. Wow. I learned something today. Science. I actually learned two things. I learned that you run when you're drunk. Yeah. (laughs) And some science. Take that to the grave. (laughs) I will. Don't worry. No one listens to this. Oh, good. That's a relief. (laughs) Um... With a, so you're living with bipolar. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I was about to say, and you're living with bisexuality and bipartisanship. I sure am. But I thought maybe it was getting a bit too cute. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> what, like, do you find like anxiety and depression to kind of come along for the ride with the bipolar or? Oh, yeah. 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 I have a lot of, a lot of issues with anxiety. Uh, I would say there's probably more depression going on in my life than there is not depression Mm. at most times uh but i mean constant mood fluctuations means every day is a surprise so it could be anything (laughs) yeah how do you plan for things uh just hope for the best (laughs) there are like uh, most of the time none of my episodes are enough to absolutely stop me from doing what i have to do right just makes things very unpleasant sometimes like things like band stuff if i have to play a show and i have like an intense depressive episode it's the worst thing in the world because i can still do the things that i have to do but then you also kind of have to make a face for the crowd and you have to be at the same energy level as the guys in the band and then you have to talk to people afterwards Uh. and that like it's possible but it's just shit um, I imagine that wipes you out for the next day as well. Oh, yeah. Because that would expend a lot of energy. It is exhausting. Yeah. Mm. So you, you play in a band, Dog Bow. Yes. Which has a really great Twitter Twitter account as well. Uh, it's So it was a person first. So that's uh, James, ah. who is the drummer in both bands, uses Dog Bow as his Twitter account. Ah. Uh, and so then when he and I started jamming, we just named it after his... Twitter handle because I just love that combination of words so much. I'm more one word and one nonsense collection of letters. I don't know why I love it so much. I just do. There's something satisfying about it. It's really good. Uh, it Dog gets bow. retweeted into my feed quite a lot, and not just probably by you. me. Oh, not really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, like very funny tweets. And so when I saw that your band was called Dog Bow, I thought that's like a really well managed Twitter account <laughs> for a band. <laughs> He is probably the most insane person that I know. And yeah. he's the loveliest man. Like, in real life, you would just... He seems like a very normal guy, very in control, very lovely. And then his Twitter account is just the craziest mess. Like just it is. Half the time, it's near gibberish. Yes. And I love it. Mostly, it's just like, ah, oh, slapped some hams, now I'm on a car. And then you're like, what? what was that supposed to be? What was your intention when you sat down at your phone? I think that's a really great thing about Twitter as well is just people I love reading gibberish Twitter accounts because there's an art to it oh yeah for you know, sure if you're trying to write if you're trying too hard to write gibberish <coughs> you're you're gonna write something not funny it has to come from a place of generally genuine mistakes when you're writing yes. them because yeah doing it on purpose it's not fun people no, can I, tell you like wow you're trying to be wacky and random but when there's just something that you're just like they meant something by that, and I just cannot figure it out is the best. I, I do something sometimes um, trying to, like, 
have fun with my chronic fatigue syndrome uh, syndrome symptoms, I do a thing sometimes called drunk tired tweets. Ooh, nice. When I get um, really bad symptoms, sometimes it feels a bit like I'm drunk, but without any of the attendant confidence Mm. or fun. Um, oh, that's the worst kind of drunk in the world. <laughs> but it's it's really, it's like not that fun. But then I discovered that if I tweet out some of the things that I'm thinking um, and the ideas that I have for tweets and I read them later, it's hilarious. <laughs> so I'll just, it's like, it's almost like a, <coughs> a drunken child has gotten into my Twitter account and it'll be like things like, I think last time I did it, and I try not to let myself do it because it's really, I'm always afraid of what I'm going to say. I'm like, because my brain is so warped when that happens like I'm, yeah. I'm so like disconnected from reality that I'm like what will I say but last time I wrote something like um, look at my dinosaurs why can't we all just get along like that is so true <laughs> right I really I really did you have dinosaurs at the time I had little plastic dinosaurs that I would picked up from somewhere along the night and I was sitting on the bus and I would put them on my thigh and I was making them fight each other oh that's very nice and then I was like, oh, why can't they just get along? So it's so you weren't like making a, a broader baby. point about humanity getting no. along. You were specifically talking about the dinosaurs. Oh, really? wow. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Inside the actor's studio. <laughs> Exclusive. Yep. <laughs> I get like that with, if I know I'm having a manic episode, I'm always like, yes, my tweet's going to be fucking amazing. But also I just lose so much touch with reality that I'm like, I lose the concept of what would be too personal or what would be offensive or anything. So I'm just like, I could say anything and I have no idea. I'd look at those words and be like, I don't even know what they mean anymore. Is this bad? Is this good? Congrats, everybody. Enjoy the tweet. It's <laughs> I'll let everyone else figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, And it's annoying because it's not like if I'm having a manic episode where I'm going out, which tends to happen a lot, it's not like I'm doing it late at night so I can just be like, oh, no one saw that. I can delete it. Late at night is a great time for America, which is where most of my followers are. Ah. So these people like sitting at their desk jobs at like 8.30 in the morning while I'm tweeting completely <laughs> inane shit, while I'm completely drunk, completely manic. It's terrible. Sometimes your tweets worry me a little bit. There seems like there's every now and again there'll be a couple of tweets that seems like you might need some help. You seem a bit, a bit sad. Yeah. Um, and obviously, now, because usually you're very, very funny and self-aware. Well, I mean, always self-aware. But it makes me go, like, should I write, hope you're okay? Or are you going to be like, I'm fine, I'm just, I was, that was a joke. You know what I mean? Like Most of the time, they're not jokes. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I tweet. I was going to say the word treat, but then that mispronunciation still works as a word. <laughs> uh, I, like, yeah, I, I'll basically don't censor any of the things that I say. Really? So I'll be like, oh, well, I'm depressed now. Time to tweet about that. So, because I don't really have an outlet for it anywhere else. Like, I can't really talk to the people I work with or anything if I'm feeling bad. So Twitter's amazing for just being like, fuck, fucking hate this shit. Fuck you. Fuck everything. Fuck motherfucking shit. And then getting it out of your body and putting it into the internet. It's pretty great. And if you can find you can find communities that'll really back you up oh yeah lovely people people are amazing about it too and it's never in a, like a a way that makes me feel bad for being honest about it because it can make people very uncomfortable if you're like hey i want to kill myself and then yeah. everyone's just like oh god what are we supposed to do we talk do we not talk but when it's a community where they're like yeah i mean i had the same day i felt the same way hope you're doing all right yeah like that's 
it's a pretty nice experience. Oh, it can help you so much too when you feel like this huge world-ending thing is happening to you right now. Like your feelings you are destroying you. And for someone else to be like, I felt like that yesterday and I'm still here. Yeah, it's can so really good. help. Yeah, it does give a lot of perspective. And even like just being online gives a lot of perspective where I'm having those like world-ending feelings and then everyone else is like, oh, going out to get coffee because it's a nice day. And you're like, oh, all right. There are other things happening in the world. That's a funny okay. thing that happens. I, I get a, I don't ever get that FOMO. Maybe, I don't know. I don't get that FOMO feeling on Twitter that I do on Facebook. Facebook news feeds make me sad. Yeah. Like, well, if I'm feeling down and I go on, I try and stay off Facebook because then I get sad about looking at everyone else's wonderful lives. Mm. And I'm like, they're all hanging out without me. Like, that's when I'm already feeling down. So the irrational thoughts start creeping in. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I don't feel that on Twitter. I don't know why. I think maybe everybody else is largely visibly sad as well. Which <laughs> <coughs> kind of helps. What a beautiful world of sad people. It's just, a, it's kind of odd that the medium, well, I guess it's how you use the medium, or how you use Twitter, and like the communities that you're in are like that, but the fact that it's tended towards that like weird emotional honesty yeah. is very strange. Especially because it is a very public platform. Insanely public. Yeah. Like, if they would if potential employers did even a cursory Google of my name, even though it's not within my real name, if you Google Ben McClay Twitter, Thomas Violence comes up. So Really? Yeah. And which means I do kind of most of what I do on Twitter on purpose to stop myself from ever getting in a really boring job. <laughs> like if there's a job where they're like, Oh god, we can't hire this guy, look at him tweeting about butts. I don't want that job. I want the job where they go, look at this great guy tweeting about butts. I bet he's got great hair and you're like, Yes. yes Have a I look do. at these pictures. My hair is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dream job? Uh, oh, mm. uh, writing probably or stand up, something cool. in those. I think my absolute dream, dream, dream job would be writing and directing movies. But I think stand up is probably a safe middle ground between unrealistically impossible and also nice. Yeah, stand up seems. Very difficult to me, though. I've I've only done like two things as an adult, at like performing in front of people, ever, and uh, both of them were the most amazing things I've ever done. Like just in terms of how they felt, I am fucking terrified of public speaking. Like I have panic attacks before I go on stage. I'm like freaking out. I just lose the ability to interact with anyone. Like everything is fucking mental for like weeks leading up to it. And then the moment I go on stage, I'm just like, these people are in the palm of my hand. <laughs> Prepare for some great jokes. Isn't it amazing? I love um, public speaking and performing. And That's insane. That's no, an insane person thing to say. Your face just then was amazing. It was brilliant because you looked at me like I just said, oh, I think Hitler's all right. <laughs> it's equivalent. I just, ah. Oh, but I'm, I don't know why. I'm just one of those weird people and I, I really like public speaking. But I do get sometimes nervous in the lead up. Uh, and then whenever I get on stage, I suddenly relax. Yeah. And I'm always like, why don't, why didn't I remember how much I love this? <laughs> you know? It's such a, like, it's a primal thing though. It's not like my brain consciously freaking out. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to love this. Yeah. Why am I nervous? And then at the same time, my brain's just like, ah, you fucked. It's so true. It makes a lot of sense because you're about to go into a highly scrutinized job, I guess. Yeah. You're about to like either die horribly or, or, or win. In the biggest way possible. Yes. 
But I just feel like performing, I think a lot of people don't realize this about performing is generally, depending on what you're doing, but I guess in the kind of things I do, people want you to succeed. So the mm. audience really usually wants you to succeed. They want to see something good and they want to have a good time. Yeah. They probably don't want to walk away thinking that was awful. Uh, they're on your side yeah. when you go out there to True. start with. They were like, I want to see this person do well because if they do bad, I will feel shit for them. That person will feel shit. Like, they want... Everyone is there it's to have a nice lose, time. lose if, if they do badly. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. People have got you back to start with, so, you know, don't think once you start... You know. As long as you don't walk out there and go, wouldn't it be great to just kill a woman? Which is what I saw one guy do at Raw Comedy last year. <sighs> and then he, like, he got silence, but then he, he just obviously had written his set already and was like, no, I'm just going to run with this and just kept cycling through his... I'm going to kill a woman material <sighs> until he was told to get off the stage. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I'm like, stand up. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Because you have to listen to a lot of that if you're starting out. Yeah. <laughs> I went to like one stand-up show last week and just like half of the acts were just, they hate women. They just straight yes. up hate women. Like I don't throw... I don't like to throw misogynist around too much because it has a very specific meaning that's different to sexism. But these guys, like, are misogynists. They are. It's bizarre. It's like... I don't know. It's a linear progression that you can see that they're people that have been sort of social outcasts when they were young. That's why they developed a sense of humour. But part of that is that they never really got to interact with women. And then because socially we tell people that women and men are incredibly different... So if they miss that opportunity to actually get to know women when they're young, they then don't understand them when they grow up. Then they fear them because they don't understand them. Then because they fear them, they try and justify their fear by hating them. And then they end up being like, oh, I had one date that went bad. That woman was a piece of shit. She's a horrible, all women, they're Satan. Ah. I don't know what dating is like for these guys because apparently it's, some kind of game and you either win the sex or she is a piece of shit. Yep, that's essentially it. It's like they set themselves mentally and it's a series of puzzles yeah. that they're trying to successfully complete. It's not like they're relating with a person. It's like, well, I have to press all these buttons in the right sequence and then maybe we get to have sex or I press some of the buttons bad and then a pit trap opens and I fall into it yes. and then I live in the pit trap for a thousand years. I, I had a guy um, a few years ago, like, met him through a friend. We were all out. got it. Sw- we all swapped numbers. We're like, well, I'll hang out again. He texted me a few days later and was like, can I take you out to dinner? And I didn't I didn't want to go out with him. Fine. Just, you know, not my thing. Mm-hmm. And so I texted back something like, you know, thank you so much. But, like, I, you know, no, I just <laughs> want to be your friend. And he wrote back, like, oh, you think you're too good for me? Uh. Oh, you're just so great, huh? You just think you're just all that. You're so busy. You can't even go on one date with me. And I was like, well, I don't like you any better now. Actually, I'm never going to talk to you again. Whereas before, I would have maybe hung out with you. But now I just think you're awful. God, that's so fucked. And it's so common. Like, there are so many tumblers and stuff that are essentially screenshots of exactly that interaction. Someone was sharing a really great one on Twitter the other day where it was like Tinder and the guy was like, hey, do you want to go get a date sometime? And the person was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> not really that interested. And the dude replied like, well, fuck you, bitch. God damn it. And like a massive rant. And then uh, the girl was like, oh, sorry, that was meant for someone else. Yeah, I'd love to. And then they did that like four times. I saw that. That was amazing. Oh. And he got, 
And he was like, no, what I really liked was, yeah, so she said, oh, sorry, um, what I meant to say was, yes, I would like to go out with you. And he wrote, the next one was like, he went something like, well, you should have said that straight up, so I didn't go off like that. Oh, God. I mean. Yeah, that's just so insane. (laughs) Oh, wow. It's just, yeah, it's weird that the knee-jerk reaction to, I guess it's not weird, it's just that all they want to do the moment they've been brought down is be like, ah, well, I, my self-esteem has been hurt slightly, so I'm going to tear you down entirely as a person. Where does that come from? Insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> just giant yeah. buckets of insecurity. So much insecurity. It seems, and I'm, I'm not going to try and claim that like women aren't insecure. Because hey, we definitely are. But we just seem to. Most women seem to process it differently to most men. Yeah. I, I have. I mean, I haven't really heard many of my male friends come to me. Straight male friends come to me and be like, um, "Oh, I, you know, this woman asked me out, and I said nah." And then she was like, well, fuck you, and I'm going to kill you and your family. Like, Yeah, that scenario doesn't happen much. No. I mean, I've had one thing slightly analogous to that where I sort of said no to someone for, I think it was like a date, sort of. I don't know, it was weird, and she went off of me. But, like, in all of my interactions ever, that thing has only happened once. And you never hear people saying that shit happens. Like, it's, it's always dudes blowing up. I think it's because yeah. men weren't well aren't I don't know they're not given the tools in their communities to like emotionally support themselves when that sort of thing happens like because yeah. they're not with their guy friends they wouldn't be like oh man I just really had my feelings hurt I really like this guy they'd be like oh yeah this bitch just oh, you know <laughs> one of those so oh. I just I'm just imagining Dave Hughes. Just so I mean, not yeah. that he's not a sensitive guy, but that's very much Basically. his persona. He's like, Oh, I'm angry. It's that. <sighs> they they don't and know how to like articulate yeah, like yeah. they just don't have that. So they express it as rage. Yeah. The most male of all emotions. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I think um so many women have stories about guys going off at them or becoming angry at them for rejection that it almost is like you forget to bring it up Um, you forget to talk about it because you're like yeah that happened again Um, and that's why some really some hashtags can be really good like um, writing while female has been one I've been enjoying lately yeah Um, Maxine Benema Clark started that about um, women talking about their experiences writing as a woman and it's not they're not all negative there are some really positive ones um, like they talk about as there's some women talk about um, being in labor and writing between labor pains. Oh my God. And I mean, like, maybe that doesn't sound like a positive, but I just, <laughs> I'm like, wow, you're a fucking warrior queen. That's yeah, no, amazing. that is cool as shit. It's, it's really badass. cool. Or like juggling a baby, like breastfeeding a baby and also writing your novel. And I'm kind of like, that's really badass. Um, but it's really cool to have women actually. So I, so I joined in the, ta- the hashtag and I had to actually think about, like, ha- you know when my gender has affected my has like come into my writing career and then I started remembering all these instances where um, I had been um, dismissed belittled ignored underestimated because I was a woman as a writer and I realized that I I had just forgotten about these really bad instances because it just they just blend in to the general miasma of sexism (laughs) I think, yeah, the internet's really great for visibility for that. Like, these... <laughs> I just love how clear patterns become when, like, 
given an audience. Did you ever see that straight white boys texting dot Tumblr dot com? Yes, that was amazing. Where you realize that like everyone is the same. All of those straight white dudes are the same. It's the same like combinations of texts. Like just seeing those patterns of behavior that are so systemic that like. It's good. The internet's good for finally being like, oh my god, we can actually, we have a name for this problem now. Yeah. And we can talk about it, and we can critique it, and it takes power away from the people that are doing the shit things. It's fantastic. It takes power away from the people who say, oh, there was just one guy. There was just one time. Because when you can see so clearly that the same kind of discourse is happening to all these different people. Oh, God. Especially when you get, like, shit apologists that are just like, well, actually, no, you have a problem with that one man, not with mm-hmm. all men. You're like, well, no, there are systemic problems with men. Yeah. You can look at all of this. <laughs> you can just send them a URL. Yeah. And that's <laughs> To one Tumblr, and you've covered that issue, essentially. And I was looking at, oh, who, whose Twitter was it recently? Um, I follow some really great indigenous Twitter people, uh, and they t- one guy was talking about how i think it was luke pearson it was luke pearson mm-hmm. this morning about how he doesn't want he he talks he talks speaks out about racism but that, that doesn't mean he wants to hold the hand of every white person on twitter and like personally guide them through why what they said was racist or what racism yeah. is and that kind of thing and it, the at mentions he was getting following that tweet were amazing because all these white people were jumping in and going well aboriginal people migrated here too and and then he was like that's racist but he didn't say it that politely because i can imagine how mad that would make him it made me a bit mad and i'm not even of aboriginal descent so uh you know and then they were like why oh what facts are racist facts are racist (laughs) Racist. and yeah i mean so yeah you get that on twitter but i couldn't help thinking whenever and i also have uh, there's a few a few um white guys who follow me on twitter and and Occasionally, I get that kind of thing. They want me to like explain feminism to them. That's a pretty ex- common thing as well, where they're just like, "Oh, well, tell me why it's sexist." Well, how about put some fucking effort into learning about the world? Yes, they're almost like, "Tell me about women's experiences," and I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I guess you didn't click on my blog. Um, that was probably a place to start if you want to know what I think about things. Um, or you guess you could have just gone to this thing called Google and looked it up. Uh, yeah. Maybe read a book." Uh, it's it's hard. I've started I've started um, ignoring tweets like that now. That's I'm a good way like, to go. No time for this. I get so infuriated by it. They're like, well, explain why that's sexist. And I'm like, I try and explain. They're like, yeah, but what about this? I'm like, no, I just why are we? And then I'll do that for like twenty tweets. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm not changing anyone's experience. I'm just worsening my own. Yeah, and also I think when you've had that same conversation over and over and over, oh, oh god. my god then you really feel like but there's like the there's like a you feel like there's like an onus put on you when you sort of have some kind of point of difference to society's default norm yeah that you've got to constantly be <laughs> some kind of like crusader to like educate the normals yeah uh, and i'm using air quotes because we're all normal whatever that means um but yeah I, so yeah i guess you have a lot of people going tell me why that's sexist and it's like the, the one I get the most research. out of everything is, well, isn't that a bit sexist against men? <laughs> and, oh, every fucking time, it is just <laughs> so infuriating. The amount of people who've tried to talk to me about misandry being oh, a thing. Oh, God. And I have to... And I only recently, like in as in like the last couple of years, learned what racism really is. So I try not to be too hard on people for not knowing what some words mean. Yep. 
But I didn't, like, so I think when I was, okay, when I was much younger, like when I was a 16-year-old idiot, I think that I thought you could be racist against white people. That's only because I didn't really know what the word meant. Yeah. So I thought it was just discriminating against someone because of the color of their skin. Um, so if you called someone like a cracker, then that would be racist, right? Or well, mayonnaise boy. <laughs> did you get, is that something people call it? Oh, church? no, it's something that happened with one guy on Twitter who'd like, he someone screen capped him complaining about some black kids at his high school called him mayonnaise boy. <laughs> and it became wildly popular because he was complaining about how racist that was. Great time. But that's the thing is like racism talks about systemic injustice. Mm. Um, you can still be prejudiced against white people, but it's not racism. I think I think I've got that right. But oh, again, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, you know. And then I get some some people who really don't want to hear what I'm saying will start going semantics, semantics. Yeah. It's like, but words like and meaning are very important. And the, like the context in which they are used, like the essentially with the power dynamics, like calling a white person a cracker doesn't suddenly strip them of the massive amounts of privilege that they have <laughs> like yeah. you know it's coming from yeah like you can't diminish their position of power with a slur essentially there's no history to that of you know oppression yeah and i i had um so i'm, I'm quite thin um and i had someone recently ask me what they what what i thought about the Nicki minaj song anaconda um because there's a bit in it where she's like um uh something about skinny bitches yeah something about like you know going to the club and being like get out of my way skinny bitches Mm. and that kind of thing and i I, okay i'm gonna say i love that song it's a great song it's it's a really good song song. i love Nicki minaj i think she's amazing her her butt is incredible Mm -hmm. it's a force of nature and um they but my friend who who is not who who's not particularly thin was asking me how I felt about that, you know, as a thin person, as, as, as and I have been called a skinny bitch uh, as as a pejorative many times in my life, and I no, I don't like it. But the thing is that I was like, well, if I hear Nicki Minaj singing it in a song, in a song where she's specifically talking about owning her beautiful, black, curvaceous body, mm. which has, in our culture, been, um, I guess, underprivileged, yeah. or what's a better word? Something that's traditionally shamed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and she's taking it back, and and so she's like, it's like I I don't feel I don't my feelings aren't real hurt by it because yeah. I don't feel like any power is being taken away from me, yeah. like because I know that I'm still gonna have thin white privilege, and I'm not saying that as like an arrogant like I'm still gonna have this. It's more like I'm fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I get the same deal. Like people make fun of me for being skinny because I'm a skinny person. That's fucking great. I worked really hard to become skinny because I've not always been skinny. And oh really? Like oh I was. A much larger man previously. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I started running as a way to manage my bipolar and then subsequently lost quite a lot of weight. Oh, wow. And, like, yeah, I didn't, there's no way people can oppress me about it because society had spent, like, thousands of years being like, no, you must... Well, not thousands, actually, like, hundreds. A couple of hundreds. Enough like, for no, us you to must forget that there was a different way. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So, like, I mean, fucking great. Everyone should be owning their body and feeling great about it. I could stand to take a few hits. Yeah. To the skinny image. That is fine. Exactly. You can talk as much shit about it as you like. Exactly. I don't feel butthurt about, you know, women who are bigger yeah. being like, yeah, I love my body. And if you skinny bitches don't like it. And I, I think I think I don't like it when people make comments about like if I'm eating and, I, you know, people make comments about my eating habits and they'll be like oh, skinny bitch <laughs> if I say no to chocolate or something. Yeah. Um, which happened to me one time in a workplace I was at. And um 
I declined the second I, no I declined like a second slice of chocolate cake or something or like mm-hmm. I don't think I had a slice I don't remember I just remember saying no to chocolate cake and the other women who worked there were like Ugh, skinny bitch oh, and I don't think they knew that I was allergic to chocolate <laughs> oh. so I was like yeah. if I have any more I'll like, my throat will start to close up I um, hope you told them that. <laughs> I I think I was I think I tried, but it was, but the thing is that they're not really listening to you. It's not really about you. Yeah. Um. And I was kind of like, that really hurt because, you know, of course it hurts for someone to call you a bitch, um, just because you said no to some chocolate fucking cake. But I understand that like there obviously a lot of pain and resentment there, and that's coming from like, somewhere else, probably yeah. from society telling them their whole lives that their bodies aren't good enough. Yeah. Whereas I always get told, oh, you look like a model. Whereas I feel like I look more like a coat rack. <laughs> you know? Which is actually really what supermodel kind of means, in that a is. way. Yeah. It's a bad People God. are saying, wow, you could really hang some clothes off you. Yep. It's not a bad compliment. It's a practical <laughs> thing. <laughs> I like to be productive. I could carry some clothes. <laughs> uh, so you started running to manage your bipolar. Yes, which completely changed my life like substantially for the better wow uh i was because i was drinking so much and didn't really have any money i was just spending it on alcohol so i was just eating like junk food when i was eating and then just drinking all the time the rest of the time and not exercising because i was just sort of laying around so i was getting very large and very unhealthy and very sick And then just one time I had a manic episode and was like, fuck it, I'm going for a run. And then I went for a run and then found that I could sleep that night. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And then I just ran every night for like, I think I did like a month straight where I did like a 6K run or something. Whoa. And uh, I just felt amazing, started losing weight. And then because I was doing that, I started looking after my health. And because I had like a two-hour portion of the day where I'd be out doing exercise, I wouldn't want to be drunk for that, so I would stop drinking before that and then just sort of clean the shit up out of my act. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Worked really well for me. And so now I still run, like, five nights a week um, just because if I don't, I generally start to lose my mind. Mm. So it just keeps me in check, helps me to sleep, keeps me healthy. When you've got a cold like, like you do this week... Um, how does that affect you? I uh, go for a walk instead. Right. Generally. Yeah. And that, that works as well? Yeah. I think it's just getting, just doing some exercise just kind of helps shake out any extra energy I have and gives me time to process stuff as well. Mm. It's just time I'm out of the house where I, I'm not doing, trying to m- work on anything or whatever. I'm just thinking time. Mm. Which definitely helps. Do you feel like it's important to have time where you're not like you say you're not doing anything uh, I try and do that but also I know from just past experience if I have any gaps in my schedule ever I fill it with insanity largely <laughs> so I have to like I keep myself busy with band stuff and friend stuff to the point that I don't really ever have any downtime to do nothing which on one hand I'm like shit I really need to relax I haven't been able to unwind. This is making me crazy. But then the moment I have any spare time, I'm just like, life is terrible. Why have I stopped? What's going on? Yeah. Um, I know some people take up knitting and things like that. Yeah. Like some kind of physical monotonous thing, which I guess is maybe what running is a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know I used to run before I got um, Emmy again. 
and um, I loved it because it was just like rhythmic I didn't have to think mm-hmm. but inevitably I would just sort of because I didn't have to think I would just process stuff yeah and all this kind of stuff would just bubble up and then bubble away it was it's brilliant yeah it, it feels yeah it's a nice way to deal with it I think if I don't have time to think about what's going on in my life I just assume everything is really hectic like if I had a couple of minor things that need to be attended to over the course of a couple of months if I don't have time to sit down and be like, all right, how am I going to do this? But I'm just like, ah, a million things happening right now. I'm not very good at processing things on the fly. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, though, especially if you're rapid cycling, I, I would imagine. Yeah. It would Because f- your life actually is hectic. It, it is pretty hectic. <laughs> yeah. But it feels a lot more hectic than it is, unless I do have, like, yeah, that running time to get out of the house. Mm. How, does, how does it go with, um, like, your friendships and relationships in your life? with those big mood swings every day is everyone pretty like do they just understand that's how ben is uh yeah my friends are pretty across it uh especially the people i hang out with now are largely people that i've met through twitter uh so they essentially already knew i was kind of insane so they were just like oh so this happens to you in real life also (laughs) and they know how to deal with it uh and my partner she has uh similar sort of mood issues so we're both good at recognising the symptoms in each other and being like, well, okay, tonight I will support you because you need that. And then, like, my closest friends, uh, the two guys from the band, uh, are just insanely good at making me feel better. Oh, that's <laughs> like, great. Like, just really freakishly good at it. Uh, they both have ADHD, so their, like, excitement levels and their, like, sense of frustration that they have to do something just always gets me really amped up. And so I'm, I don't know, it always just make me feel very, very positive. It's difficult to be depressed around them. It's oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Does that translate into your music at all? Uh, I think it definitely does. Um, the music's pretty frantic, and also our stage shows are generally pretty frantic because we're all just really fucking amped up. <laughs> and we're both, yeah, we're all just very passionate about what we do. We're just doing it because it's fun for us and makes whatever happens on stage generally very loose because we're not trying to impress anyone it's just fun to throw things at people and stuff well live music seems like a really good place to be a bit manic a bit adhd it is a great release it's the best release in the world our jams are really good releases as well because you're essentially in a soundproof box that we've turned off all the lights and it's incredibly noisy so you can just do whatever the fuck you want you feel like screaming for a little bit you can scream you feel like you're gonna dance for a while do that it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like, we jam once a week, and that's my release. Like, just go in there with those guys, practice a bit, muck around. It's, yeah, it's good. I have to admit, podcasting and radio is kind of that for me. Yeah. Because my favorite things, because of my, you know, my condition is like, I like to be in a cold place, mm-hmm. preferably dark, yep. um, and just have a really nice chat with someone, and... And be sitting. I just want to be sitting down. That is and also, also I don't want to have to think about how I look. So this is just perfect. The it's just perfect. audio format is perfect for that. <laughs> I sometimes think I'm like, oh, I'd, love to, I'd love to work in TV. And I've got a friend who works in TV and I see how much... And she looks amazing, but I see how much makeup she's, and hair she's got to do. It's a big um, process, yeah. And, and like, she's really good at it. Like, she nails the makeup thing. But for me, <laughs> nah. Nah, no. you can draw a straight line with liquid eyeliner. I'm pretty proud of that. That's good. I can't. No. Well, not that I know of. It takes a lot of practice. 
Um, but I don't feel like doing that every day. No, God, that seems exhausting. Uh, no. Ooh, another win for the patriarchy. <laughs> yes. Oh, the patriarchy. Bane of my life. <laughs> I get a few privileges from it. Yeah, yeah, you do. I'm yeah. a terrible person. <laughs> half terrible. 50% terrible half person. <laughs> Actually, no, no, it's still 100% terrible. <laughs> but half of it is systemic. The other half is just you. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's just stuff that I've incorporated into my life. <laughs> well, um, okay, obviously a lot of people don't think you're awful. I don't think you're awful. Um, so if people don't think you're awful and they want to find out more of your stuff, where can they go? Uh, basically try looking for the words Thomas Violence on any social media site. <laughs> uh I think I have a WordPress and a Tumblr and a Blogspot, I think, and they're all different things. Yeah. So try any of those. Cool. Uh, also, uh, I have a YouTube channel with one of my friends, uh, and also from the band, where we have a podcast called Trash Crab Stevens. Uh, mostly it's just us playing video games and talking shit to each other. And also there's my magnum opus, which is a seven-minute-long cooking show called <laughs> Cooking for Shitty Idiots. Uh, and it is a disgusting, terrible mess, and I love it so much. Where did you... I recently watched your... Was it you were reviewing Hunger Games? <laughs> yeah, that was but a good one. <laughs> that was fun. It, you, it was as if you were reviewing it, as if you had no idea what the movie was about and had never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a fun time. It, I went, just, it went for like six minutes. It went way longer than it should have. I was showing my girlfriend, and I was just like, oh my God, I didn't realize this was this long. <laughs> I was just, I really felt like I had two afternoons in a row because I did that and then I did uh, a review of the new Star Wars trailer where the conceit of the video is that 30 seconds into feeling really smug about flaws that I've seen in the trailer, I realized that it's a sci-fi movie targeted at children. (laughs) So it's just two minutes of being like, oh my God, it's for kids. What have I been doing? So both of those, (laughs) I'd just like come home from work and been like, I should do a video. That's fun. I thought of an idea, then just switched the camera on and was like, yeah, I can make this up for a bit. Really? Wait, you just made that up? You they just... were improvised. Wow. I don't know. I think you gotta you, you got to harness this, right? I, I'm going to try and do more of those because it, it's such an immediate thing to do as well. Like, you can record straight into YouTube. I didn't have to do shit. I just sat down, turned it on, and then I've got something that I can show people, and that's fun. That's nice. Whereas, like... The videos I make with our, like the videos we make for our band, or like videos I make with my friends, you know, you've got to shoot them and then you've got to edit them together and then you've got to export them and then you've got to do a whole bunch of stuff. So it's yeah. fun doing one-man videos, but very limited medium <laughs> in terms of how funny can you be doing monologues at a camera? Yeah, with like no jump cuts or anything. Yep. So you just got to be funny the first take. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's why I edit these podcasts. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> but it does it, it it does make it like if you're prone to procrastination, which I am, um, it does make it a bit harder if you if you sort of put it on yourself, you're like, I'm gonna have to edit this. Yeah. And I'll just sort of leave it. And, and like the there should have been an episode out yesterday. <gasps> oh my god. Uh, and I'm 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 like I you know, I think procrastination usually goes hand in hand with perfectionism too. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> stupid. Um <laughs> So I'm like, no, 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 I'll, I'll wait till later because I'll probably get it perfect later. Yeah. Um, oh, I haven't done it? Oh, my God, I haven't been perfect. I'm horrible. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I just have no motivation to do anything that's not the fun kernel part of the activity. So, like, yeah. if I, I kind of enjoy editing, so maybe that's a bad example. But, like, 
just things where it's a boring, repetitive process. Unlike the fun creation part, I just never want to do it. I'm like, you know what? People don't need to see this. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not releasing it. I don't care. I have better things to do. Like, sit on Twitter for three hours. <laughs> Twitter is, yeah, a wonderful immediate medium. Oh, because so much feedback straight away. Oh, so, straight away. And um, I love, I kind of love how you can feel like you've been really productive all day. Because you're like, it's look at all trick, the tweets. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I've done it's a horrible combination of words, if I've done a good Twitter day, I feel like, yeah, I've done some fucking great jokes, but I've not really advanced anything in my life. Like, I've not become better at anything. I've not furthered any goals, but I still feel like I've accomplished something. Maybe, maybe <coughs> like, um, start setting arbitrary Twitter goals. Just um, like benchmarks so you, I need to reach. Yeah, and then you can when you tick them off, you'll feel really good. That's a good idea. Mm. Then I'm just creating goals I know I will probably fill. <laughs> I kind of have, like, little benchmarks in my head where I'm sort of keeping track of how my Twitter is going as a whole. Because I go through phases where, like, there'll be some weeks where I'll get, like, 500 followers in a couple of days. And then there'll be some where I lose followers consistently for, like, two months. And I'll be like, why is this happening? Yeah, It's weird. It just comes in waves. Sometimes I will, like, like... Recently, a couple of months ago, I had, like, a whole month where I struggled to get anything that was favorited more than, like, 50 times. And I was like, what's happened to me? I've stopped being funny. I've run out of jokes. And then one day, I'm just like, boop-a-doop. Oh, that one just got 8,000 favorites. Okay. It's not even that funny. God. If I get, like, 30 favorites, I'm, like, screen capping it. I'm like, look, everybody. I'm amazing. That's my, like, benchmark for happiness. It has to be, like, over about 20 or 30. I'm like, yep, that was funny. If it's under that, I'm staring at it like, why don't you Philistines love this? (laughs) Put my heart and soul into it. I did one really dumb one the other day. Something about, like, the tweet is just, oh, you got a new dog? What size are we talking? Marmaduke, Clifford, Voltron, Unicron? No, it wasn't Unicron. No, the punchline to that was, like, the Cloverfield monster, and I was oh. like, it looks kind of like a dog, and it's really big. <laughs> this is hilarious. And then, like, no one favorited it. I was just staring at it like, oh. I guess my sense of what's funny is sometimes incorrect. <laughs> sometimes it's just that people don't get the references, and that kind of sucks. But I think then, I wrote a really good lost joke a few weeks ago. Nothing. Oh, man, if you'd done that in, like, 2008... People would have been all over that. It would have taken off. What was the joke? Wait. I don't. I don't remember. I do have like um, secret little lost jokes that I write in my journal sometimes, just for myself. And you share them with no one. I share them with no one. I um, reckon if you did like a specific lost joke Twitter account, and then you were just like, <laughs> people will find it. The people that really, really got into lost, they're gonna There's find a it. Few of us. It. But we we need like a secret code, <laughs> maybe a set of numbers uh, to find each other. <laughs> Oh, I think I'm onto something. Did you um, enjoy the ending of Lost? I was very emotionally affected by it, oh. and actually, it triggered some depression in me. Oh wow! Um, and of course, that doesn't like that's not to say it was just because of Lost. Obviously, other things were going on in my life, but um, I I thought it was it was very touching, and I haven't gone back to watch it again, so I don't really remember it that well. But I was it, it like a lot. it gave you the sense of closure you wanted from the series. Yeah, I think, like, I really loved Lost because I was not approaching it from a um, I need to have all of the plot tied Mm. up. Uh, I I wasn't looking for explanations. I just enjoyed the characters, the 
general experience of watching it. Yeah. And I, I love character the character development. And I was actually having this conversation <laughs> with a couple of people the other night about why Lost is great and why people don't understand how Lost gre- how great Lost is. Um, and it's because people are like like following the plot too closely. Yeah. Um, but if you really pay attention to the show, I think <laughs> you realize that's not what it's about. So I think that's the healthiest way to watch Lost by far. You just got like it's kind of like if you know um, you're looking at a mind's eye picture. You got to kind of let your brain slide away a little bit. It's more bit. of a big picture thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think that was my you. problem was that I went in being like I will analyze every detail and this will perfectly dovetail. And then I was reading interviews where he's no. like, "Oh man, I planned nothing past the first season." I was like. Oh, for fuck's sake, I've been watching this very wrong. <laughs> they were really flying from the seat of their pants after season one. Sure were. But they, I thought they did a pretty good job of I, I liked it. stuff. All of the stuff was, like, very thematically cool, even if it didn't logically make any sense. And so that was enough for me. I was like, four-toed statue. Shit, yeah. I'm 100% on board with this statue. Right? Yeah. It's like, why not? I had, I had someone the other night. He was like, because I, I, we were talking about Lost and how great it is. He's like... All I need to know, Caitlin, is why why was there a polar bear on the island? And I was like, no, like, listen, like, the thing about Lost is you watch it. He's like, no, I just need to know. Why was there a polar bear? It's because it's cool. It's cool <laughs> as hell. And someone just leaned in and was like, because they were doing research on animals. He was like, there, okay, I'm done. That's all I need to know. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't you want to know more about the shark? <laughs> no. Oh, but the shark was a joke, right? That was... Yeah. That was just one of the animators put that in as a joke. Really? And then it, yeah. Like, that's literally what it was. And then everyone was just like, ah, "Dumb shark!" Yes, because I remember, I remember like watching that episode on TV when it came out and seeing the Dharma thing on the shark, and I like, being really proud because I was the only one in my family who like spotted it. Means and we nothing were all, like, now. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was such a great. I'm so glad, and like this is obviously a very small picture thing to be glad about, but I'm so glad that I was alive to watch Lost as it went live to air and yeah. to follow it throughout the whole. Uh, it's a different experience like TV was written to be viewed with a week in between the episodes like you well uh, previously it was written that way so that every episode you kind of you're not shoved straight back into the mix there's always like a little bit of processing time you're Mm. always thinking about what happened for a while whereas now they're writing it to be binge watched like the idea is you go through watch like 10 episodes in a row which I like different experience oh that's good because that's how I like to consume things I Ditto. very rarely have nights off, so the one, like, when I do have one, I'm like, cool, I'm watching ten episodes of something. Yes. Fantastic. The other day, I just <laughs> I just watched the entire season one of Archer. Oh, nice. It's just, that was I my I love afternoon. Archer. Yeah. I mean, I probably shouldn't do that with a show like that, because it made me sad about humanity. <laughs> oh. Because right. it's funny, but they're all so awful. Yeah, they are. That's, like... I mean, not no one's forcing me to choose between Archer and Bob's Burgers, but if I was going to choose, gonna choose the H. John Benjamin show, it would definitely be Bob's Burgers because that show is... It comes from such a loving place. Yeah. Like, the end of every episode ties up with them being just as bad off as they were, but always, like, it's got a positive resolution as well. It's weird. That family is just so well-intentioned, whereas, like, Archer, the crux of it is that everyone is an asshole. Yeah. Bob's Burgers, everyone is lovely. Even the bad yeah. guys are all lovely. Yeah. And, yeah, the family's really cute together. I love watching a show where the family actually likes each other. It's nice, isn't it? It's, it's a nice really change because, nice. like, shit family is, like, the TV trope. Yeah. And, like, having one where it's like, oh, good family. 
this makes me feel warm and nice. Yeah, I sometimes think, um, I guess Parks and Rec's Parks and Rec does this really successfully that it's more of a challenge to try and write something funny that doesn't rely on everyone being an asshole. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because asshole is easy. That's easy yeah. to do. And it's easy to laugh at because, like, it's crazy. I wish I could be that rude to people. <laughs> Whereas having things that are just funny because they are funny is, yeah, that's tough. It's and tough I think you have, to, you have to maybe be a bit cleverer. Cle- cleverer? Is that a word? Yeah, pretty sure that's a word. Smarter. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> you have to be a bit smarter with your writing, I think. Yeah. To think maybe a bit more laterally. Um, Bob's Burgers does that pretty well. Like the whole Tina, Tina's obsession with butts thing. Oh, my God. It's <sighs> so perfect. It's just amazing. Oh. Uh, and, you know, like, uh, I can't imagine Seinfeld writing that, you know, like, yeah. like the sitcom. I can't yeah. imagine them having something like that, even though, like, that show is very funny. It Ever- is. Everyone's kind of an asshole. Yeah. And that, that I don't know, that play, it's, I feel like that's kind of easy to, to come up with conflict scenarios that way. Yeah. Oh, because that's essentially all they did for every episode. You add, like, an absurd element and then you have very, very well-defined characters and how they will react to them. So you're just like, oh, okay, he's going to do this and it won't be surprising. She's <laughs> going to do that. It will not be surprising. Yeah. Still good, though. Still oh, great show, obviously. Still, I still will watch Kramer walk through a door oh, just every time. Genius. Genius. Physical genius. Do you enjoy Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Um, yeah, I tried. I was watching it a few years ago, I think, when it first came out. It was okay. It's yeah. just like a triple asshole version of Seinfeld, yeah. essentially. So it's hard for me to watch a lot of it because I'm just so uncomfortable, but it's also very smartly written. Yeah. I have, like, friends have shown me clips of it that they really like, and yeah. that's been a really great way to get into it because um, they're, like, taking me to the super cuts of it. Yeah. Um, but I did see one of the characters um, trying to do stand-up. I think it's Oh, and she's just gagging the whole time? <laughs> oh, my God. She's so good at that. See, that's the thing is, like, you know, you've got these really funny performers um, in these, these well-written shows, but because everyone's an asshole, I won't necessarily spend much time watching it. Yeah. It's kind of a shame because I'm missing out on these really great performances. Just have mm. to seek out pos-vibe television shows. Yes. Well, hopefully there's lots out there. Comedy Bang Bang is pretty good. Yeah? I love that show. It's very okay. good. I've, uh, heard, I've, I've heard good things about the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is amazing. The podcast is actually what sustained that first month of running when I first started. Oh, right. Because I did it the first time, and I was manic, so that was fine. I was like, ah, run! And then the second time, I was like, this is so boring. And then I think I may have just even Googled the word podcast and, like, started listening to it, and I was like, I can do something that is hilarious and good for me at the same time. Yeah! That was incredible. The guy that writes that podcast, one time... I wrote that. I was like, Comedy Bang Bang basically saved my life because it got me to help with my drinking and blah, blah, blah. And the, he must have been name searching for Comedy Bang Bang. He favorited that tweet. Oh, wow. I thought that was really nice. It was like I going full thought circle. I thought that would have been worth a retweet, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, We're just talking easy. about saving lives here. That's nothing, just a human life. <laughs> that was nice to have that closure. Oh, that's awesome. Hmm. That's another really great thing about Twitter. And I feel like a lot of this podcast episode has just been... How great is Twitter? Oh, what a what a beautiful place full of largely toilet garbage people. 
but they're so easily identifiable, and you don't get that in everyday life. That is true. You just see the anime avatar, and then you completely <laughs>、oh, disregard everything they have to say. I get, I get the egg faces. Oh yeah! Every time I get one of those, I'm always suspicious because I'm like, why have you not changed your picture? What's going on here? Yeah, and I mean, I know that <laughs> I think your photo isn't actually you. Yes, is although、it? the more I look at it, the more I get convinced that it's my own face. Definitely、yeah. isn't, but it's it's not that far away. It's it's in like that weird valley where it looks enough like you to maybe be you, yeah, but, but in a different light to to your normal.、Light. Maybe it's just a really dramatic pose, and、mm-hmm. I'm wearing a suit, and that's why it looks different. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just did a photo shoot with some friends who are photographers, and they touched up my face a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds dirty. They touched up your face. Yeah, that almost sounds violent, but touch sounds very gentle. Well, I feel like subtle violence is a really great place to end. Yeah, we've come full circle. Perfect. <laughs>、um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Please tweet this to your many, many followers. I will. I will say <laughs> to all of them, please, please listen to this.、Uh, bonus if you've listened all the way through to the end. You're great. You're you're just great. Good、you're, work. You're you're a good person, and thank you.、Um, now let's finish up, and I want to talk to you more about Lost. <laughs> yep, perfect. I'm on board. What do you think? What,、uh, was, what was Hurley all about? What was the deal with Hurley? What's the deal with Hurley? Like. You just heard was "Creepo" by Brisbane band The Keepaways, whose keyboard player is none other than my guest Benjamin McClay. Many thanks to Ben for coming on the show. I had a really great time talking to him, not least because I'd found someone I could talk to about Lost. Lost is great,、uh, so thanks, Ben, and thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Ben slash Thomas Violence or any of my other guests on Just a Spoonful. You can check out our Tumblr, justaspoonfulpodcast.tumblr.com. And hey, if you're listening through iTunes, you know it'd be really great. Like, just a really great idea, really fun idea for us all to do would be like to go and hit subscribe. Yeah, that would make me so happy. And that's really what this is all about. Okay.、Um, No, but that would be awesome. And if you wanted to leave a, a rating on iTunes of the for the podcast, maybe even five stars. I don't know how you feel about it. That would be great. And I also really appreciate any reviews that you could write. Just let me know what you think about how this thing is going. 
And let me know how you're going. I really want to hear what you guys are living with and how you're living. And I hope that you're having a great day today. And wherever you are, you've found a little spoonful of something to get you through. And hey, happy 2015.